you miss Canty and Carlin? And the new dogs just went and mm, got, got another little, dog. Got a little stronger. They got another dog. They did. <laughs> just in the last moments, my friends. That's right. That's right. On Canty and Carlin, you have got some breaking news. This is important. Robert Quinn has been traded from the Bears to the Philadelphia Eagles for, and I can't believe this, a fourth-round pick. Yeah. Holy cow. Now, Robert Quinn has just one sack this year, mm-hmm. 18 and a half last year, and if you watched the game the other night, he was wreaking havoc in the backfield. This is, I, I will give, and I'm not the biggest Howie Roseman fan, mm. but I will give him credit. He is not afraid. He will go and get it and try to put his team in a position to win. I, I think about some of the moves that they made years ago in their Super Bowl year, guy like Jay Ajayi that they were able to add to their mix who really helped them a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gardner Johnson that he added this offseason right before the season started for the secondary. Mm-hmm. And now this, I mean, think about that defensive line now. I mean, that is a formidable front to say the least for Philadelphia. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, adding him to Josh Sweat, who's one of the, who's a top ten player in terms of pass rush win rate off the edge. You've got Brandon Graham. I, I mean, Javon Hargrove, Jordan Davis. You got a lot of guys up front that can get after the quarterback. Hassan Reddick. I mean, think about it. They can come at quarterbacks and offensive lines in waves with their pass rush. And Jerry Reese, the GM for the New York Giants, once upon a time said it. You can never have enough pass rushers. Mm-hmm. Now, couple that with two lockdown cor- cornerbacks and Darius Slay and James Bradbury, and all of a sudden you're talking about an already elite defense maybe becoming the best defense in the National Football League. And, Carlin, during our pre-show meeting, we kicked around the idea of talking about the three teams that we believe are cut above, which are the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Philadelphia Eagles. And we asked ourselves the question, who would you crown as the best team? Now, you said the Buffalo Bills. I said the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm -hmm. Starting to feel a lot better about picking the Eagles now that they've added Robert Quinn because I think he's that dynamic of a player, and he's going to give that pass rush that much more punch. Uh, Look, I can't add a guy like that and not be the favorite in the entire NFC. I can't. I mean, that is phenomenal, and... I can't believe they were already the favorite in the NFC. Uh, No, but I mean, like, I should say solidify my spot there as. Um, I look at him over the last three plus seasons, 30 sacks. Yeah. 33 sacks over the last three plus, three and a half seasons at this point. Robert Quinn is going to add a, a dynamic to that group that just adds more depth. It, it kind of reminds me of a better version of Chris Long when they brought him in uh, before the season started in 2017. Oh, yeah, he's a better player than C. Long was when they brought him in. Yes. Yes, no the, question. And and so I think with all of that in mind, I, I mean, th- this is what separates the Eagles in some spots, is that they will go out and do this, and they will uh, not worry about it's It's not blank them picks. But Howie has a good way of navigating uh, trade talks with not giving up a ton to get a quality player who can really help him in the short term. There's no question about it. And with that offense continuing to grow and Jalen Hurts evolving as a player, you got to imagine that that unit is going to be able to dictate the complexion of the game. If they can get ahead, 
and build double-digit leads, you could see the Philadelphia Eagles' pass rush rivaling that of the Dallas Cowboys' pass rush. Right now, the Cowboys are top dogs in pass rush win rate Mm -hmm. and sacks. They've got 29 sacks on the season, and they've got a 54.2 pass rush win rate. Behind them, the Jacksonville Jaguars in pass rush win rate. The Philadelphia Eagles are sitting at three. Carlin, I'm just saying, when you add a guy like Robert Quinn, it's going to make everybody on that defensive front that much better. And look at it this way, too. The team that is right behind the Cowboys in sacks is San Francisco. Another team that is right there, too, is Tampa Bay. You need to close that gap, and they did that today. The The Eagles have 17 sacks on the season. Well, it's not just about sacks, though. Let's not get caught up in no, just the no, number no. about it's sacks. No, no, no. It's pressure. It's all it's that It's pressure. Stuff. It's all of those things. And that's why I look at the metric pass rush win rate, because when you're in passing situations, how many one-on-ones do your guys consistently win? Mm-hmm. And this tells me every other rush, you got guys winning their one-on-ones in passing situations. That's what you're looking for. And adding another one of those guys in Robert Quinn is going to make the pass rush exponentially greater. Because you now have another guy that can come off the bench, which means you can rest one of your pass rushers that's been going, and all of a sudden you're coming at offensive lines in waves in the pass rush. And that that's what made the New York Giants special in 2007 and 2011 when they won championships. And it feels like that's the formula in today's NFL with it being so quarterback-centric. you got to be able to cut the head off of the snake. And now the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be able to do that better. Couple that with having one of the best cornerback tandems in the entire NFL, all of a sudden that defense is scary hours for the Philadelphia Eagles. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, that's where you can watch us. Just open up the app, and there we are. Let me ask you this question. Mm. Now that this has happened, who's next? Like, what pass rusher is going to go next? I personally think Bradley Jubb's going to go. I think Mm. if I had to lay it out for you, I say the Broncos lose in London, and Bradley Chubb gets traded by Tuesday. And I could absolutely very much see the Rams getting involved there. I I think losing in London would be enough that it could definitely get Nathaniel Hackett fired. I could absolutely see that. I could see that, too. The only issue that I have with Brad Chubb being on the move, Carl. Remember, he's talking, a free agent. You're talking about a player in his 20s. Yeah, He's a free agent, but you invested a top five picking him as an organization. Mm-hmm. And he's a productive player. I'd be reluctant to let him go. I mean, you try to figure out what it's going to cost to resign him. You just paid be, Randy Gregory, though. Uh, hear me out, though. You try to figure out what it would cost to resign him. And if you can't make the numbers work, then yeah, sure, you trade him. But I, I just... So much of the identity of the Denver Broncos is on the defensive side of the ball, and this is a guy that's a team captain. I don't know that I want to move on from that kind of leadership, especially with the shiny new toy, Russell Wilson, the guy that you went in, you, you went all in for this offseason, grossly underachieving. So I think it's, it's interesting in terms of team chemistry and locker room direct dynamics when you talk about moving on from Brad Chubb. But listen, he's going to be a guy that people are calling the Denver Broncos to inquire about, but this just goes to show you that pass rush is at a premium in the NFL, especially when we get to this trade deadline, because this is where teams that feel like they have a shot at winning a championship are going to go for it. But let me ask you something. If you're looking for a pass rusher, who else is available? Like this this price could be something that you could not turn down when it comes to uh, Bradley Chubb. No. It, it could be. 
I mean, you want Cleveland Farrell? The guy's been a flop. No, I'm all good on that. Yannick yeah. Ngakwe? Maybe if they decided to, but yeah. I'd still rather I'd still rather have Chubb. Yeah, but but what is Chubb going to cost you both in the terms of draft picks this season, and then if you're trading significant assets, you're going to have to re-sign him too. Well, but they so they gave for Von Miller, they gave a second and a third. The Rams did last year. Yeah, and they didn't re-sign him, and, and they, they did what, not re-sign. But him. they didn't have to. They won the chip, right? Yeah. So, do you think somebody's going to give him a second and a third? I do. I think because who Jerry Hughes, ninety four years old. I don't no, think they're going that, down that road. No, that's not who you're looking for. No, I mean, no but certainly. that's my point. They, my point is there are not pass rushers outside of Quinn that are available. So now that this chip has fallen, what's next? I don't see another guy that's going to fetch a great price for somebody and that's readily available for a team that could use the pass rusher. Do you call New Orleans? Do you call New about Orleans? About Marcus Davenport? I mean, about who? About Cam Jordan. Do you call New Orleans for Cam Jordan? I call. I absolutely call. I absolutely call. Yeah. Do they are they going to move like we know that the we know that Carolina wants to keep Brian Burns. Yeah. Supposedly they were offered two first round picks for him, mm-hmm. which would not surprise us I don't think. No. But and if you're not going to move somebody for that, you're not going to move him. Yeah. So, yeah, I would absolutely knock on the door on Cam Jordan. Yeah. I mean, uh, where are they going this week? They've got uh they're starting Andy Dalton, and and James, even though Jameis Winston is healthy, yeah, they've got the, they're home for the Raiders. They lose to the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, if you, can lose, if you lose to the Raiders, you can lose to anybody in the in the NFL. So yeah, I that, mean, that's where we're at. They lose to the Raiders. They're sitting at two and six. Yeah, yeah, they punt on the season. Pack it up. Yeah. So, I I honestly think that there is a real opportunity for teams to to swoop in now. And that price on Quinn, I'm shocked that it was. I, I thought it would at least be a third. Yeah, I thought it'd at least be a third. Howie Roseman strikes again. Wow, it's a great deal. That is a great deal for the Philadelphia Eagles. In case you're just joining us, within the last 15 minutes, the Eagles have traded for Robert Quinn from the Chicago Bears for a fourth round pick. Did Howie wear a mask and carry a gun into that discussion? Because I feel like he just <laughs> robbed the Bears for Pete's sake. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app. Well, things just got a whole lot more difficult for one of the real good teams in the NFC and one of the real good teams in the NFC East, for that matter. Can the Giants respond in exactly who do they have right now that can help carry the day? Maybe somebody you're not considering enough. We'll discuss next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Remarkable that that team is 6-1, and one, but here they are. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Great conversation this morning on Get Up between Mr. Canty and Mike Tannenbaum, and that leads us to a little Get Up. It's Get Up in the Morning. Good morning. It is time to Get Up. But in the afternoon, we get down. Get down on it. It's time for Get Up, Get Down. Get down on it. And the discussion centered around Daniel Jones. And Chris, look, he is not getting nearly enough credit for what the Giants have done so far this year. Agreed. I I would call what we saw this past Sunday against the Jaguars probably a top three game in his career. Agreed. With the way he played. Yeah. And that goes back to his rookie year when he had a five-touchdown game against Washington. Now, having said all that, the decision that the Giants are going to have at the end of the year is a fascinating one when it comes to Jones and here's his future. Here is Mike Tannenbaum this morning, our ESPN NFL front office insider on Get Up with you, Greeny, Kimberly Martin, and company. This is almost inconceivable. They're going to have to think about franchising him because if I'm Daniel Jones, I'm dying to get to the market. There are so many teams, at least a third of the NFL green, will need a starting quarterback. He's young. He's ascending. We've seen other quarterbacks get better. Geno Smith, Josh Allen, not saying he's going to be that great, mm-hmm. but when you think about he's going to get at least $30 million a year, his guarantees are going to be upwards of $40, $50 million. If he gets out to the market, someone will pay him much the way Kirk Cousins got paid when he left Washington Ooh. because of supply and demand. You know who I thought of immediately, too, when that came Who's up? That? The Patriots. Like that, I could see that being a, a bill move if he doesn't feel like he's got either guy right here ready to go. And if somehow Daniel Jones hit the open market, I could see him going and getting Daniel Jones. So, so you think he's going to pay him? I don't. I didn't say that. Thirty million dollars a year. I didn't say that. Oh, okay. Okay. Now, I did suggest. I won't deny that I didn't. That they may have to franchise him at some point. At thirty-one million dollars, that's the projected franchise number. And that for is a scary number. That is a scary number. Very but, scary number. But is it worth signing Daniel Jones for a two or three-year deal at a high number? to avoid going through that kind of Kirk Cousins hell. And if you're Daniel Jones, I mean, I can't argue with wanting to stay with Brian Dable considering how I played this year. Yeah, and thinking about the defense that you have supporting you, not to mention Saquon Barkley in the backfield, right? Because that's the identity of this team. It's not Daniel Jones' arm. It's the Giants' run game on offense and the way they play defense. They're They're sixth in the NFL on third down defense and they're fourth in the NFL on defensive red zone efficiency so that's what's winning the day for the New York Giants and we saw that defense step up down the stretch and make huge plays matter of fact when Brian Dable decided to go for it midways through the third quarter at his own goal line got shut down his defense got back-to-back stops against the Jacksonville Jaguars offense set up the game-winning drive for Daniel Jones and them scoring a touchdown with him going with the quarterback sneak so Let's not get it twisted. Even though Daniel Jones has been great and is sixth in overall QBR on the season, it's not because of Daniel Jones' play that the Giants are 6-1. and one. No, it's, but- beca- it's because of Daniel Jones avoiding the consequential mistakes and them playing complementary football and that defense being really good. And, and But that's been enough. That's been enough, and there will be enough teams 
that will put a value on that at the position. I, I'm not with my. I'm not with Mike in believing that somebody's going to give him thirty million dollars. Yeah, year. three years, a hundred million. Well, I don't see that. Th- well, here's the thing, and this is the off the record comments that Tannenbaum made to me in the green room after the show. He said mm. he wouldn't pay him thirty million dollars a year. He says he thought the number was right around twenty five, and so I threw this idea out there: three years, twenty five million dollars a year, fully guaranteed. Who says no? Daniel Jones or the Giants? If he's playing like this, neither team, neither side should. That's my point. Yeah. That's what you do. You get that kind of deal for Daniel Jones, and then you draft a quarterback that you can develop for the future. Now, if uh, Daniel, uh, Jones, wait, now, if Daniel Jones shows over the life of that deal that he's more than what you thought he was, then you have the opportunity to extend him. If he doesn't, at least you have a quarterback that Brian Dable and Joe Shane handpicked that they have had multiple years to develop into a starter in this league. Okay, okay, but you're not doing that this coming year. You're not drafting that quarterback. You this could year. draft this quarterback this year. I'm not but, saying using a first round uh, okay, pick on, the, on I'm not saying use a first round pick on a quarterback. Okay. What I'm saying is draft a quarterback, second, third round. Jalen Hurts was a second round pick. We've seen second round picks develop into quality starters in this league. Jimmy Garoppolo, second round pick. We've seen that before. All I'm simply saying is if you believe that you can find a guy and keep Daniel Jones in the fold, then why not go that route rather than making this full-fledged commitment to Daniel Jones as your franchise guy and paying him top-of-the-market value at quarterback? If you're going to pay him that, the only, my only thing is you're going to do it that quick. You're going to draft one next year in the second or third round. Like I got, I, I still have a lot of work to do with this, with this roster. I still have a lot of work to do well, with Well, here's this the roster. thing. you got a lot of work to do. If you franchise him and $31 million hits your cap, how are you going to do that work in 2023? Mm-hmm. You can't. It's prohibitive. That's why I think it's oh, either got signing him. That's what I think it's got to be a long-term deal. I'm not, I'm for not Jones. against signing him. I'd be against signing him and then drafting somebody next year. I might wait another year. Oh, here we go. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Yo, check this out from Canty and Carlin. Baseball season uh, ended in misery for my partner, and the NBA season is not exactly starting uh, any different. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We have to get some real perspective on what is going on with the Lakers. And And I do wonder... 
if Russ is going to keep this interesting for a very, very long time over the next few months. It is Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA insider, who joins us right now. Wendy, it's Carlin and Canty. We appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? We're great. Well, one of us is great, Wendy. The other (laughs) one is a glass case of emotion. And we got the word that Russell Westbrook is not going to play for the Lakers tonight against the Denver Nuggets. As our resident Lakers fan, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You tell me. I mean, if you're, a, I mean, let me ask you this as a Lakers fan: What did you expect from this season? What did you expect from Russ? I mean, honestly, not high in the sky. What did you think was going to happen? I didn't think he was going to be a fit, no matter who the coach was. I know everybody wanted to scapegoat Frank yeah. Vogel, but I didn't think he was the problem, and I didn't think Darvin Ham was going to get it turned around. What I didn't expect was this level of toxicity with Russell Westbrook, not being a part of the pregame huddles when they're breaking it down after warm-ups, getting ready for the game, the way he's isolated himself and really been out of the flow on both ends of the courts for the Lakers, that's just not something I anticipated. And it feels like it might be a situation tonight where it's addition by subtraction because he's not going to play. Well, that's true, but I don't think it's been that toxic. I think um, it was disappointing that after, you know, having discussions about a backup role that he appeared to imply that his hamstring injury was caused by coming off the bench. That was a disappointment, but not shocking. Um, Everything that's happened with the Lakers so far has been predictable, and I actually think there's, you know, there's some some shafts of sunlight. Um, You know, we'll see what happens tonight, and it's early in the season. But starting the week, you know, a week into the season, they were one of the best couple of defensive teams in the league. I think they were ranked second coming into the week. And, look, it's early. They could have one bad night and all of a sudden be ranked 17th. But, um, you know, their defense has been much improved in the first couple of uh, first three games. And, you know, last year, the reason they missed the playoffs, people will tell you that it was because Anthony Davis got hurt. And that's partially true. But they missed the playoffs because the bottom fell out of their defense. So, Darvin Ham actually, at least early on, has them playing better defense, and that's a really good sign. Um, they're absolutely preposterously constructed for the modern NBA. People blame Westbrook a lot for it. It's not only Westbrook. The, the reason that they look so bad shooting the ball is that Anthony Davis has been as bad or worse from the outside as Westbrook has, he shot under 20% on threes last year, and he's shooting even worse this year. You know, if you had four shooters out there, you could survive Westbrook's inability to shoot. But when you're, when you're trying to create space from LeBron and you're putting Westbrook and Anthony Davis out there together, two guys who do not have to be guarded from three-point range, plus a couple of other guys who are below average shooters by NBA standards, like there's no space. So I actually think that once Westbrook is out of the starting lineup, which will be the case tonight and maybe going forward, we'll see. I think the Lakers will stabilize. I think you will see um, their defense start to show up, and they'll start winning some games. I don't think they've got a high ceiling. I don't think they're headed for a deep playoff run as currently constructed, but they're not as bad as they've shown. And and, and limiting or eliminating Westbrook's minutes will aid um, that reality to come forward. Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA Insider, joining Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. All right, the big philosophical question facing the Lakers seems to be, are they better off trying to trade Westbrook with those two first-round picks down the road to get the, you know, the Buddy Heald-Miles Turner deal to make them better now, or 
are they better off riding this season out no matter how it goes and try to take another crack at it next year when they have that uh, full max contract money to work with? So what do you think at this point? Yeah, I think their intention at this moment, and I have to underline at this moment, <laughs> is that they're, they're going to wait for an opportunity to make them significantly better. Nobody is arguing if Rob Palinka was on this call with us and he was, you know, he would, he would agree that a buddy healed Miles Turner trade would make them better. Absolutely. They didn't not do that deal because they didn't think it would make them better. They just didn't think it would make them a championship contender. And the thing is they don't have the luxury of making intermittent trades. They, they either have to swing or not swing with those two picks. So I think they will look at, what does this, uh, you know, is there something that presents itself during the season? And I think it's a possibility because I think we've got more teams competing than there are actual competitive slots. I think we're going to get to December, January. There may be some teams who thought they were going to be in the mix and aren't. Um, but one thing, one of the great advantages if you're the Lakers is you can play um, the game uh, of, of waiting for a free agent. You don't have to hope to win the lottery. You don't have to hope for some miracle trade. The Lakers are always able to get free agents. And so they're in position to have salary cap space. And by the way, this is something people keep talking about how they only have two picks to trade. It's not 100% true. If they wait until the summer, they are allowed to trade their 2023 pick after, um, after, after draft night. And that means they potentially would have three picks to trade. And we know that the price for the top players in the league in this offseason established, guys like Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, is something like three first-round picks. So um, I think that they're going to ride out this season, wait to see if something uh, comes up that they can dramatically improve at midseason. And if not, they'll wait for Kyrie Irving or something else in free agency. And that's what you can do if you're, if you're the Lakers. Talking with ESPN NBA insider Brian Windhorse on Canty and Carlin. And, Wendy, you're one of the best in the business because you took me right where I wanted to go. Kyrie Irving, the Brooklyn Nets, one of the most fascinating teams coming into this season. It seems like they had they were on their way to having a combustible offseason. Are we, are we past all of the trade demands and the Kyrie friction with the organization? Are we past all of those things? Or do those things still linger in the backdrop of what's happening in the early goings of this season? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's one of the fascinating things to watch this year is, you know, uh, Kyrie and Durant are swinging wildly on what they want. You know, um, you know, both of them at one time wanted out, and then we're like, oh, no, no, I'm fine. I'll just stick here for many more years. And we're like, oh, okay, cool, sounds good. Um, I think if you watch the Nets early on, you know, they're, they're, last year, I, I, you know, as people were saying, well, they're still dangerous in the playoffs. They're still dangerous, and Vegas still had their odds way up there. Nobody was paying attention to the fact that they could not defend a post. They were horrific defensively last year when it mattered. And here we start this season, and they're horrific defensively again. They have not gotten better defensively. Now, one of their big moves to deal with that defense was trading for Ben Simmons. One of the reasons they liked um, that move ultimately is they thought he could help them defensively. He was so versatile, and he is. I mean, no matter what he shoots, he can defend. He's got to be on the court to defend, though, right? Yeah. (laughs) He has not been able to help them at all. He's fouling, like, once every six minutes. It's unbelievable. And, like, 
look, if he can't defend centers, which is one of the things that they thought he could do, okay. But he cannot take himself out of these games like this. Their defense is – I haven't checked the numbers today, but it was like 28th or 29th coming into the week. Like, you can't do that. That's their problem. They also have a three-point shooting problem. Now, that should improve – with Joe Harris and hopefully Seth Curry coming back healthy, um, if that eventually happens, that I think can can improve. But you know the reason they traded for Royce O'Neal, the reason they traded for Ben Simmons was to improve defensively, and that is not happening. And beyond what mood Kevin Durant is in, what mood Kyrie Irving is in, if they don't defend, we're not having a conversation about the Nets this year. Just to finish your thought, 28th in field goal percentage defense and 27th in points allowed at 123 a game as of right now. Absolutely. Wendy, great stuff as usual. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a, have a great day, guys. Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA insider. <laughs> I love when I asked him that question. He's like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't that's know. The, truly, that's the only answer. That's the only answer when it comes to that team. Are it, they the most mercurial Sports tandem out there right now? Oh yeah, in the on the same team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I mean, on I a second, but it's nowhere close. You know, would could you put Embiid and and Harden in that discussion? Mm-hmm. Maybe down the road, but we haven't mm-hmm. seen it yet. Really, yeah. it. I think they are far and away. Absolutely. He's as far and away. <laughs> okay. Uh, Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app. Well, when we talk about the Lakers, the situation that gives you the best hope might be the worst idea for LeBron James, as we just discussed. But when we're talking about all different sorts of possibilities in the NFL, there's only one place that you turn. And that's Chris Canty to find out Kenny or Canty. And that's next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. You can't miss Canty and Carlin. Pound for pound, the biggest show on ESPN Radio. Clay was at it again last night with Devin Booker. I don't know what it is. They got a thing. They got a thing. So I reached out today to a friend who would be familiar with that situation Hmm. and to try to get a rundown. And here's what they said. Clay defending Book early in the game. Clay had a bad night shooting. He's been frustrated. Um, Third quarter, Clay stripped block to Booker three, and the jawing started. Book uh, telling Clay that his night stunk. Clay telling Book, you know, Enjoy these four rings. <laughs> and flash the four fingers. That was amazing, by the way. Yeah. That's a drop mic moment, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter how great of a shooting night Devin Booker has. Klay Thompson has four rings. It is a part of the greatest shooting tandem the NBA has ever seen. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I guess that Booker has given him a lot of flack about like his abilities falling off. I guess that's been 
part of it. Does too. anybody feel that way after watching them on their championship run? Because I don't. I, I don't feel that way. Yeah, but I he's basically trying to say, well, you're not the same player you well, were. Well, he had back to back Achilles injuries. Yeah, who's going to be the same after that? Yeah, I, nobody. But guess what? Clay Thompson has a non-perishable skill. You know what that is? Shooting. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a premium in the NBA. So who cares? Yeah. But it is, I mean, that is the first ejection in Clay's entire career. It was something like 786 games. Yeah. First ejection of his entire career. Yeah, I was worried that it had something to do with the Kardashians. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. <laughs> you just never so, know. Thought it was a Jason Kidd, Jimmy Jackson, yeah, Tony I, Braxton you, situation. You just never know which way those things can go. Just going to put it out there. You know, just, it, was, it was interesting. You never know where the genesis of those sports beefs happens to start. But I, I will say this, man. It's great to see that these guys are fierce competitors in the jawing and the going back and forth. Because about five or six years ago, the NBA was so buddy-buddy. Guys yeah. high-fiving each other on different teams. It just didn't feel as if that competitive fire and that urgency to win was there. And it was clear that that was there in that game last night. And for Phoenix, I understand why. Thanks. That's a measuring stick game for the Suns, a team that has been knocking on the door but hasn't been able to break through. And to be fair, I mean, as soon as Clay got tossed – Phoenix took the game over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was, I think it was a three point game at that point. Mm-hmm. It's like 69 66. Phoenix went on to win uh, 134 105. Yeah. Blew the doors off of them. Absolutely the blew the doors off of them. Um, look, I don't know what it was, but I, I was entertained by it. I won't lie there. Of course it was highly entertaining. <laughs> I, I, I like good old fashioned sports beef. There's nothing wrong with sports hate, Carlin. No. No. no, no, no it gets Clay's a bad rap. Not, Clay's not the guy that I ever expect to see it from. He's not that guy. Fair point. But he was last night. The World Series is on ESPN Radio. Catch all of the World Series action beginning Friday, presented by AutoZone on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Well, it's a game show that America cannot get enough of. Uh, We, last week, because of some shortened shows with the baseball playoffs, did not get a chance to do it, and we heard about it. Uh, You should have seen the email inbox uh, the disappointment, the anger over the fact that we did not get to it. But the segment is called Kenny or Canty, and let's call it what it is. The greatest single radio segment in the history of man. Hello! Maybe I'm just overselling it, but I don't think You're I You're being a good The question is simple. Kenny, Kenny or Canty? But only one man can answer. That's right, and that man is Chris Kennedy. So let's do it. Let's roll. I will throw the questions at you rapid fire, and you will give me a simple answer with rationale behind it. Can he or can't he? Number one, can Geno Smith be the week Seahawks week one starter next year? He can, and I would pose to anybody that will push back, why can't he? Like, I just don't understand. He's fourth in QBR through seven games. He's got the seventh most passing yards, the sixth most touchdowns, and the fourth best touchdown to interception ratio. He's got his team in pole position in the NFC West. Who had that on the bingo card coming into the season? Mm-hmm. Everybody thought Seattle was punting on this year, but not Pete Carroll. Everybody thought the Seahawks should trade for Baker Mayfield, but not John Snyder. And they stayed the course with Geno Smith and Drew Locke having a quarterback competition and now Geno is one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League based on how his pr- production shows. Now, the Seahawks are in an interesting spot because they're going to have the Denver Broncos first-round pick, and that looks like it's going to be a really good first-round <laughs> pick. But I do think Geno Smith 
regardless of what happens the rest of the way, has earned the right to be in consideration for a week one starter in 2023. It is amazing that if we had said that statement before the season that the the Seahawks would have been better off not making a move for a quarterback and going with Geno Smith would have been laughed off the planet, let alone Fair. the show. All right, can Christian McCaffrey lead the 49ers to the Super Bowl, Kenny or Canty? He can't because it's not the offense that's going to lead the 49ers to the Super Bowl. It's their defense, Carlin. We know this. I don't know why people are acting like this move is what's going to put the San Francisco 49ers over the top. Them getting healthy on the defensive side of the ball, getting Eric Armstead back, you know, having Hafanga back healthy, Traverius Ward, all of those guys, that's what's going to make the difference. Now, I do think Christian McCaffrey helps in terms of improve in in giving them more versatility on the offensive side of the ball, another guy that's great in yards after the catch in the passing game, and a running back that can give them that tough in-between-the-tackles yard. So I do think he'll help in that regard, but let's not kid ourselves. The San Francisco 49ers will be led by their defense. Can Sauce Gardner win Defensive Player of the Year? Not Defensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. Kenny or Canty? He's really good. He's really, really good, but he can't because there's a guy in Dallas, Micah Parsons, and I think Skip Bayless gave him the best nickname, 11 from heaven, because the (laughs) the stuff that the guy does is God-given. I mean, he works hard, but he is special. Sauce Gardner ain't going to win it over Micah Parsons. This is a guy that we have in the MVP conversation, but Sauce Gardner is damn good. Him and Tariq Woolen, who knew that you were going to get two quarterbacks in this class that had the potential to be all pros in their first year? Can Nathaniel Hackett survive the entire season, Kenny or Canty? No, I don't know if Nathaniel Hackett is going to survive the flight back across the Atlantic after they're playing in London this week. We're not joking. No, man. I mean, listen, there are grumblings about if he doesn't win against the Jacksonville Jaguars in London, that this could be a wrap for Hackett. And based on how that offense has performed and the commitment that ownership made to Russell Wilson to improve that side of the ball and the head coach's identity being on that side of the ball. I think it's a perfect confluence of events that would lead to an ouster for Nathaniel Hackett. So, no, I don't see that happening. And finally, can Rob Polinka fix the Lakers for this season, Kenny or Canty? He can't, with a capital T. Mm. How many times I got to tell you? What are the Lakers going to be this year, Carlin? At best, a play-in team. And you can run down all of the list of the teams in the Western Conference that the Lakers ain't better than. You got to get to about 9 or 10 before you can say, ah, that might be a coin flip. That's how bad the Lakers are right now. And Russell Westbrook is the face of it, but he ain't all of it. We just had Wendy on, and he told you, the construction of this roster, especially on the offensive side of the ball, leaves a lot to be desired in terms of how today's NBA plays uh, plays offense. So, yeah, I, I just it, it, it's a bad feeling as a Lakers fan, and there's not a whole lot of hope on the horizon. Rough day for all of the subjects of Kenny or Canty. Only one was given a chance to be able to really be right and that was geno smith and that was geno smith check out canty and carlin weekdays on espn radio